Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> Welcome to the fourth pillar of play, a Night Shift Radio production, where we support your adventure in tabletop game design by discussing, learning, and creating right alongside you. Good evening, Joshua. Hey. I don't ever call you Joshua. Um, I'm only ever generally called Joshua when I'm in trouble. Oh. Um, nobody really calls. I mean, I don't. I don't necessarily object to it, but I. I usually say, "Don't call me Joshua." Uh, you know if you expect me to answer because i don't inherently answer to it no i when i was in trouble it was always my middle name my middle name just got thrown in there it was talon john larm oh okay sure sure mine's too long my whole thing is way too long so it's it's it would be joshua nathaniel joshua nathaniel bartholomew right exactly gerald for the fourth right robber baron of (laughs) i don't know tootsie rolls from 1918 well the you know it's the it's the goblin at the end of the part in Candyland that right. you are now the Speaking the of Baron goblins, of. we must have some of those in Esterok, right? We I'm absolutely sure we have <laughs> goblins in Esterok. In fact, yeah. one of the things that I thought about for goblins and kobolds was not only did would they have some of their own civilization that came in because if you think about it, things like goblins and kobolds probably would not end up what's the delicate way of saying this? Mixing genetically with elves and orcs and things right? based on sizing, but then again, halflings, I don't know. This gets into the really weird stuff. Right. Well, it's it's, um, it's, it's the stuff that you're only going to get into if you're weird enough to get into it. I don't say yeah, weird, you really but want, you know you're getting it, weird if you're talking about half-orc and goblin mixing. Yeah, exactly. You know. But I like the idea that goblins were part of the cruise of certain ships from certain worlds mm-hmm. and ended up on Estrock as well. And right. I, one of the things I'm actually really looking forward to is coming up with an alternative aesthetic take on goblins. Like, well, right, because they've been able to uh, essentially develop, I mean, parallel. arguably, yeah, parallel, arguably in a world, we're going to, I mean, it's our world, so I'm going to say without maybe the repression, they may feel elsewhere. Exactly. So the goblins have never gone through. There was probably the holdover uh, right. prejudices sure. when everyone old became... Yeah. yeah, Exactly. The old blood, when everyone was locked onto the planet after the sevenfold storm. But since then, they one of the things that I feel like in the history of the world and the lore of the world would have to necessitate is that all of the people, once that acceptance set in, that we mm-hmm. are stuck here, there is nothing that's going to change that... We have to put aside old grievances. We have to put aside old prejudices. We have to put aside old isolations. You can no longer, we can no longer have a pure elven empire. There's not enough elves for us to do that without right. us dying out or inbreeding and things like that. Right. So everyone yeah, has the, to. Just the uh, sensibilities would just evolve. Exactly. And that's exactly what, that's a perfect way of putting it. I'm so glad you said it like that, is the sensibilities have to change so that we all can survive. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so goblins would be part of that. They would have to develop parallel. Yeah. And I'm sure there are, just like there are, I'm sure there's elves, and I know there's dwarves in my ideas, that would have gone off on their own, and it didn't go well for them. Right. And 
because I still, one of my favorite ideas I was just thinking about the other day was the idea of the dwarven isolationists who went off to form their own oh, yeah. dwarven kingdom under a mountain and ended up merging with stone and clockwork. And so I had this idea of like a dwarf that's like missing the bottom half of its jaw and the top half of its head is melded into a giant mm-hmm. mechanical spider and it's just drilling and boring through rock. It doesn't even know why anymore because it was a mining tool that got merged with a dwarf at some point. Yeah. When they, well, I've they accidentally... When you say it, yeah. Yeah. When they tapped into an iliaster vein accidentally and it flooded everything and they just became these horrific, ab, you know, aberrant uh, monstrosities right. that now just mindlessly dig around in these... this tomb of tunnels underneath the mountain and it's funny because in some of the prep for this one too like i i think of stuff like that and i go but this is how so you know i think we're gonna have our discussion of our monster ideas later and i kept going off in this one direction and there's a real tendency to want to solidify what this thing is right like so you tell this great idea for the dwarves but at the same time we also generally push the idea that but you could have regular dwarves absolutely they don't need to be these dwarves but this is kind of like our primary flavoring you know, and, and it's funny because when I write it and when I write up something, I'm like, okay, but don't, I almost feel like, do I have to expressly say that they are not locked into the characterization I'm providing here? Or is that just going to be implied in our world? You know, I think that, I think that it, it, when I look at some of the more modernly designed gaming materials, I see a lot of notes to DMs about how different species mm-hmm. work in these different worlds and i don't think there's anything wrong with having specific articulated notes to dungeon masters and players saying these are general characterizations they are not monomyth characterizations right yeah these are these are starting points do your own thing make sure. your own different characterizations if that's what you want to do and that's what we want to encourage we want to create a tool and a setting to inspire creative role play. Mm-hmm. That means we're not going to lock them in. Well, if you don't play a dwarf with a Scottish accent, then you're no Estorok player. Right. That right. that would be foolish. Okay. Yeah. But I, it is a thing I find I, myself doing. So, and I, 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 if I remember, I'll bring it up when I talk about the monster that I was doing it on. The monster you're thinking about. Mm-hmm. You're very excited about your monster, aren't you? Yeah. Pretty. I mean, I'm, yes, I've got two, but the one is I think has more potential to be more interesting. All right. So. Well. For those of you listening at home, we are back, and we have been talking about the past week um, our revergent mechanic and how that is developing and changing. In our last episode, we really, I'm sure, engaged a lot of really active listeners when we were talking about the percentile chances of different face rolls on a D12 at ad nauseum. Sure. so because that's what y'all love, we're going to continue right along with that for a little bit here <laughs> before we do our random encounter. And then in the second half of our episode today, we're going to start brainstorming some more monsters because I need more Rowan art in my life. Yeah. And so we need to have an, a monster for Rowan to draw. Yeah. Um, so we talked in our last episode about the revergent mechanic and we went through the development and the thought process in how to create a mechanic that is a slippery slope that the players then fall down towards. And we talked about how there was going to be three levels. The first level was going to be aesthetic. The second level was going to be minor effects, both good and bad. And the third level was going to be major effects, both good and bad, which can eventually lead to the loss of your character. I'm looking at the sheet in front of me. You're not. Sorry. That's all right. That's... Um, and, but you had a great idea. You said, let's make the first tier. Let's not actually spell out things in the first tier. Let's yeah. just say, hey pick an aesthetic effect that doesn't have a mechanical advantage or disadvantage. Yeah. If you just want a cool look, you know, go for it. You, you want, want fur? Go for it. You know, antlers, uh, et cetera. Antler, exactly. If so you have antlers I'm, at this point, you just can't gore somebody with them. Exactly. They'll break and regrow. Right. Yep. So the first level, I, I made it a D4 roll, one, two, three, four, um, four different tracks, bestial, floral, mycelial, and mineral. And it says, for bestial, the player begins to take on aspects of animals and insects native to the specific region of the verge. For floral, it says, the player begins to take on aspects of native plant life, etc., etc. For mycelial, it says fungi and mushroom growth and mineral, form of virgin connection to the very rocks and minerals of Estrock. Right. So that, that allows, I like that because it gives the tool to the player, it gives the... Uh, the onus on the player or the dungeon master to work together mm-hmm. to create something cool. Maybe it is your fingernails turn into quartz. Right. It's something very small at first. I could probably admit to a little bit of an insidious thinking 
in a way, because it also, by letting people customize the first step um, and do whatever they want. Tricks they, them into wanting it. They will become attached to the idea and they will probably not avoid the reversions quite as much as perhaps they would have normally. Oh, we're drawing them into our trap. Sure. Yeah. You know, and, and that's to- you know that's how it would work. Like, oh, oh yes. man, I really like my tiger claw. And you're like, oh, I do want you? it to be a, I want yeah. it to work. And then next thing you know, you're going, oh, what else could I do? You know, it, it's once you get, you know, you give people a little hook of, of actual complete freedom, and then it may actually kind of emulate the idea that, oh, that revergence is pretty tempting, mm-hmm. you know, so, because then it gives them a little bit of ownership of it, which is cool. So for the second tier of revergence, I did a, oh, there it is. I'm going to flip my paper around here. I did boons and banes. Again, I hate the word boons and banes, but we're going to stick with it. So I don't have boons and banes for the third level, which is the serious level, but I thought maybe we could just chit-chat a little bit as we go through the list. You know, I just had an idea. I'm just going to pause you real quick. No, it's about boons and banes. So we we still have a modern, modest listenership. However, if anybody who listens to us with some regularity wants to maybe make some suggestions for boons and banes, because I know you and I have like looked and tried to find something else something we like better but yeah yeah but we're open to suggestion absolutely so i mean we've already received some listener feedback on yeah. things that are mostly corrections so i want to shout out to our friend aaron who pointed out that i have been incorrectly calling the city of point reach the city of farpoint which we both have exactly when she texted me i was like what are you talking about in my brain, and it I'm wasn't going, until I looked at the map that yep. I drew, yeah, that says Point Reach right on it, and I was well, like, "Oh, I've been calling that Far Point." The beauty of it is, I'm sitting there going, "What? Go to the website, dummy! It's right." Oh. oh, and then I had to discuss with you, and I'm like, "Wait, we were going to go with Point Reach, and it was because we don't like how Far Point looks written out." Right, exactly, it and it's also Far Point Station from Star Trek. Right, then there was that. Yep. So, thank so, you, Aaron. Which is not the best Star Trek: The Next Generation episode. No, it's just the first. It's one. like the first one, right? Yeah, it is. So, yeah. Again, thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. Okay, so tier two effects. Revergent. You've gone through. You've got a couple levels of aesthetic effects. You've maybe got some cool fur. You've got some cool antlers. Maybe you've got cat pupils. Who knows? You know, you've got quartz fingernails. The first level, I sort of categorize these. So um, Wait, I'm sorry. Again. uh Uh-oh. Because I'm... Wait, stop. I was thinking of the one beyond... the, The last episode we did... Um, there is a limitation to this first level, though. You couldn't put an entire animal head on yourself aesthetically. No. So no, it does it have to, to be, be limited. Minor aesthetics. Right. Okay. Yes. Maybe we need to like write a detailed sentence or two that says, like, don't give yourself a panther head. Exactly. Or like a toucan. Yeah. Or maybe a squirrel head would be cool. Maybe. Maybe a squirrel head would be really awesome. <laughs> Said no one ever. Anyway, yeah. sorry. Moving on. Um, so first the first level of uh, boons and banes are weapons. So these are the minor effects. You develop natural weapons using the attack action, uh, strength or dex based. Your natural weapons deal a 1d4 of an appropriate damage. It allows mm-hmm. you to kind of personalize it. I have claws. They do 1d4 slashing. Which is pretty standard, I believe, for claws in d yeah, yeah, right? that was sort of what I was going with. Yeah. Bane weapons. The weapon's bane would be you begin to lose familiarity with normal weapons. Anytime you roll a 1 on an attack roll, your next attack is made with disadvantage. Okay. You just sort of start to using using extra corporeal tools using swords axes becomes slightly more difficult but only on a one i didn't want it to make it huge right and is that a natural one or if you have a if you roll a one with an attack roll you crit miss your next roll you have disadvantage got it but with your not with your natural weapon only with your sword sword so it starts to it starts to reflect that i'm better with my claws than my sword thing oh okay that was the thinking yeah no that that Totally makes sense. There's going to be some of these that I'm going to read. I'm going to go, I don't know what I was thinking when I did this. Because ultimately, I'll tell you right now, I feel like this is overdeveloped. I think this (laughs) is probably ultimately too complicated, but we're learning, so Mm -hmm. we're going to go with it. The second of, there's 12 different choices, by the way. Right, I remember. Armor class. Your revergent change grants you a plus one natural armor bonus to your AC. Pretty easy. Armor class, your revergent bane, your revergent changes inhibit your ability to wear armor effectively, imposing a negative one to your armor class when you wear medium or heavy armor. Sure. That so, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Some of these are some of these are really easy to, to write. Yeah. Three, sight. That probably should be senses. To, uh, there's mm-hmm. probably something to say that like to not be ableist. 
You gain dark vision 30 feet. If you already have dark vision, your range increases by 30 feet. Nice. The Bane. Sight. You have disadvantage on saving throws made against blinding attacks. Oh, yeah, that would make sense. Like, uh, yeah, Superman and his, his adjusting to his set of set uh, new senses. Exactly. Four, movement. You ignore difficult terrain in the wilderness. Now, that one should probably be more something about you ignore difficult terrain in the wilderness that matches your revergent track. Okay, yeah. Something like that. Um, <laughs> the Bane. Movement. Stairs and ladders count as difficult terrain. <laughs> How do stairs work? Ah! <laughs> I, I, that one felt stupid, but I couldn't come. I didn't want to impose a, a foot penalty on your movement. That seemed way too big. I don't know. Yeah. So you just struggle. So if you have any thoughts on that, let me know. So, okay. Go ahead. Five is stealth. You gain plus two to your stealth skill when in your natural environment. Oh, that's great. Or stealth. Bane. You make stealth checks in urban areas with disadvantage. Yeah, that's that makes sense. Six is perception. You gain advantage on perception rolls in the environment that aligns with your revergent track. Oh, yeah, that's a big one, though. Yeah, that advantage on perception is probably very powerful. Yeah. That's one of those ones where I was like, is that too strong? The bane would be you gain disadvantage on perception rolls made in settlements, towns, and cities. Okay. I wanted to, I was going for that like, oh, I'm really good in the jungle, but now you put me in a city and I don't function as well. Right. Seven is insight. You gain advantage on insight rolls against revergent NPCs. Oh. That could also be Iliastrians and things like that. You, yeah. You're better at connecting with those people. But your bane is you gain disadvantage on insight rolls made against non-revergent NPCs. Okay, so you you basically, you just have to write one and then write a reverse for it. Some of them. But then yeah. like the stairs and ladders ones, there wasn't really a reverse to write. I know, stairs and ladders. Shoots and ladders. Uh, so intimidation. wait, what was the stairs and oh. ladders one? You, you ignore difficult terrain. Right. And then I made stairs and ladders count as difficult terrain for the bane. Oh, okay. Got it. You ever seen like a like a new doggy on stairs? I have one right now. I know. How's yep. that new puppy on the stairs? Uh, is it hysterical? It is extremely funny. She okay. kind of floats her back legs down. It's really... Yeah. So intimidation. Mm -hmm. You gain a bonus plus two to intimidation. Checks made against non-revergent NPCs and creatures. It. Sorry, it carries over to the page. Yeah. So you get a plus two to your revergent or your imitation your intimidation checks made against non-revergent NPCs and creatures. Mm -hmm. So you meet a wizard from the city who's scared of Iliaster and the Verge, and you can get an advantage on right by like your connection to the Verge. It almost seems like the Verge like you're the thing they're scared of. Yeah, exactly. You're that. Okay, cool. And then for the disadvantage, you have a negative two penalty on persuasion checks made against non-revergent NPCs. So oh. that was one. There wasn't a direct correlation. You get advantage on on um intimidation or if you get the bane you get a, a, dis, a negative on so yeah you persuasion. get advantage on um scaring Sorry, them. a bonus a yeah, bonus you get a, yeah. you get a bonus to scare them but be, but you're basically just too scary to, so yeah yeah nine is food and drink now i would love to pick your brain on this one so mm -hmm. food and drink for the boon i don't have a bane so this is where i'm going to hit some of the places where i couldn't come up with something and i need okay. your brain yep you gain the ability to subside on additional food sources. And this one, I break it down. Primal, you can safely consume uncooked meats and beast flesh. Okay. Floral, your daily eating needs are met if you spend at least four hours in direct sunlight. Okay. Mycelial, you can safely consume dead flesh or rotten vegetation. Okay. <laughs> you see what I'm doing? <laughs> yeah. Mineral, you gain the ability to consume earth and small rocks as a food source. Um. Okay. So I do not have banes for food and drink. So can they be, can we just create a, a chart so that if you have the advantage on, so if you have, the, if you have, you know, what was it? It was, it, you have the ability. So if you have the ability to subsist on sunlight, um, but are forced to eat meat, you get a, you know, like create like a yin and a yang oh, between the two. Con save eating something different or you don't gain... You right. start to suffer. Well, there's there's starvation effects in the Dungeon Master's guide. Right. Um, so that's exactly correct. Yeah, that's so perfect. we would just create like a flip for it. Yeah. So I'm going to make a note. The note says DMG and starvation. Perfect. All right. Healing. I want there to be a boon and a bane for healing. We're at level 10. I'm trying to get to 12. Maybe I'm pushing into territory. Well, I, I, I was it. almost wondering if it should be like one to two, two to three, four to five. You know, like if you roll either of these... Oh, you could end, and they could cut them in half for you. 
Well, I can tell you that the three remaining are healing, okay, environmental, mm-hmm. or spell-like ability. Now, 12, I did like the idea of doing a spell-like ability where you get a minor, like maybe a druid craft is a cantrip. You can cast okay. druid craft, which is basically okay. the druid version of prestidigitation, isn't it? I'm, I'm not sure, because until we start doing this, I haven't considered a druid either. We have to make them cooler. I'm going to look up the spell right now. Mm-hmm. Druidcraft, I'm pretty sure, is a cantrip. It's a cantrip, and you, whispering to the spirits of nature, you create one of the following effects within range. Tiny, harmless sensory effects that predicts the weather. Uh, the effect might manifest as a golden orb for clear skies, cloud for rain, falling, snowflakes for snow, and so on. So basically, you can do the forecast graphics. Fantastic. And you can, can like, find out that, and, you, that it's a big touch pushing in yeah. from the east shores of Estorok, we're going yeah. to have rain coming. I am... You create uh, small, instantaneous, harmless sensory effects such as falling leaves, puff of wind, the sound of a small animal, or the faint odor of a skunk. The effect and, must and I wonder why I've never cube. been drawn to playing a druid. Or you can instantly light or <laughs> snuff out a candle, torch, or small campfire. Yeah, this is silly. That's very. Silly. I mean, I'm sure there are some people who can do some really cool things with it because all of these tools are only limited by your imagination. Right. It's so very by flavorful. Disparaging for sure. it by disparaging it, I am showing my own limitations. Yeah, sure. So I'm going to do better than that. I'll think about doing that. Okay. <laughs> so those are the those are the three levels that I, I don't right. have anything yet. As far as healing, I wanted there to be something where like maybe you gain some additional ways of healing and then other things that might normally heal you don't heal you as well. But like taking like half healing on a potion is I consider that a major effect, not a minor effect. Oh yeah, that's a big deal, especially because that's, that's when a, you anything that touches healing is huge. Yeah. You still there? You have frozen up on me. You froze up on me. Perfect. We both froze up. Now we're good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so I, I would agree healing is a, a major thing. Uh, by the time you remember you have a healing potion <laughs> in your inventory, and by the time you go use it, yeah, you're definitely going to have to. Hmm. Healing's a tough you one want, to touch. Yeah. yeah, healing is a tough one to touch. So then it comes down to environment. I, I don't like environment. I'm going to come up with something else. We should just like sit down and like write something. I don't know. Environment, when in an environment that aligns with your revergent, revergent track, comma, blank chart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing, Josh. Well, I remember the one revergent thing I had that now that the way you went through and wrote these, the one revergent thing that I had come up with, remember, was like the tremor sense, but the mycelial network type of deal. Right. I mean, that could so be applied to each of them, arguably. So if you're faunal, you're able to, through local... Plants... Yeah, like local plants that may be growing, including mosses and things. Pick an additional, maybe that's So then maybe we keep sight and we yeah. add in other sensory inputs. Right, because I mean, if you're in the verge, there's going to be animals somewhere. Maybe you can help see through animals, dar. Or you can you can distinguish different kinds of animal calls and know what they mean. Right, um, yeah, maybe maybe something with that. And then, you know, again, fungus everywhere, stone everywhere. I mean, stone would be the biggest right. one because it's... You know, the well, that's just going to be tremor. It's going to be yeah. yeah. That'll just be regular tremor. Um, but of course, then I had come up with the opposite of whatever benefit you got. Then you would, you know, you'd start to lose your actual vision. Like you would right. have disadvantage when you're using your actual eyes. You, know? you literally become Toph from Avatar: The Last Airbender. You right. go blind, but then you have tremor sense, which is both great and also Toph had some problems from time to time. Brought well, on. You can't by, read. Yeah, exactly. You can't read. She was usually quite. And if you're, and if you have tremor sense and you're a wizard, that's really not good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. So if you're something in that. So for all, so for all of these, the major boon and bane should be relatively logical in its progression. So for instance, your natural weapons get stronger, but you completely lose the ability to use non-natural weapons. Right. You gain a bonus to armor class that's even greater, or an unarmored bonus, but you can't wear armor at all. And then you've got the person who's like, no, I'm a reversion barbarian. That's fine. Right. But okay. It it cheeses. Whatever. It's okay yeah. to have some things that can be cheesable. Yeah. Um, we already we just talked about sight. Movement. You obviously are gonna gain bonuses to movement. You're gonna gain additional ten feet, but in cities you're gonna lose ten feet. Stealth is going to be maybe stealth rolls with advantage and um well, we already have disadvantage. So maybe we have to line that up to a bonus and a like a plus two and a negative two, so that then we can do advantage and disadvantage, mm-hmm. or we increase the bonus and increase the dis- increase the the bonus and penalty. Bonus? That's penalty. the word. Yep, because penalty. we keep saying advantage disadvantage because it comes more naturally. But yeah, it's bonus right. and penalty. 
perception, we, you are also, we're going to be able to do something more. So maybe all of this, so just talking it through, maybe the, the tier two effects should all be bonuses and penalties. Well, okay. What's more, what's more strong? What's stronger? Do you think a bonus or advantage? There's probably math behind this. We'll there have to probably do some is, but I know I this would is always, homework we have to do. I would rather have advantage. Right. Personally. I would rather have a bonus. Oh, well. So I guess it's... You see? We yeah, need to do some we need to do some math. It's probably the math. There's somewhere there's an equation. I'm sure. I'm I'm sure that I have read Reddit threads where people going, Well, no, a blanket plus two bonus on an ability score is far better mathematically over the long term than advantage. Yeah, so, I'm certain of that. There's yeah, Well, there's absolutely it would be, wouldn't it? Because so on a D twenty, your average is eleven, but if you have a plus two on a on a D twenty roll, then your average is no longer an eleven, it your average is a thirteen over time. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And yeah. then rolling with advantage. I want. So now we have to figure out what is the statistical analysis of rolling with advantage. Though it is uh, very clean and tidy to say that tier two is bonus and penalty to skill. You know, mm-hmm. rolls like that. It's and easier then, to follow. It's quicker. It's sleeker. And sleek is mm-hmm. sleek is good. When we were yeah. talking in the last episode about the importance of technical writing, yeah. I even we can call it sleeker, but it's also much more technically accessible. Yeah. And that's going to be important. We want it to we want it to have a uh, an internal logistical consistency. Right. Because that makes it easier to understand. We don't want a mechanic where people look at it and go, "Ugh." Well, yeah, I think we want to so complicated. I think we want to write them out so that people get most of it on the first pass and don't feel that they need to go back and reread it. And then Right. Yeah. I, I think you want to try to make it so that they get the general gist of it the first time through and then maybe when they go to dig into it, they're like, oh, wait, let me read that again. Oh, I meant, you know, it, it should be. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, same thing with insight and perception. So again, I that feels like it sort of makes this easier to do the majors because if we know we're going to marry ourselves to bonus and penalty and then advantage, disadvantage, mm-hmm. there are going to be certain things like the healing one is going to have to come up as a, as a significant right. uh, disadvantage or advantage. Um, the food and drink one, that's fine. Honestly, there's a there's a great one in Curse of Strahd that inspired my creativity with the food and drink one because I'm pretty sure there's like um a, a dark power boon where you like have to subside on grave dirt, but you get bone wings or something like that. Hmm. But it's it's like all role play, but at the same time, that's kind of gross. You're like, well, I have to every well also having to pause your game. Well, you guys are going through a dungeon. Well, have you got any fresh grave dirt to eat? No? Oh, you're gonna start to starve. Well, at least there's no shortage of grave dirt in Barovia. Yeah, exactly. I think <laughs> most of the dirt is grave dirt. I mean, you could all probably, of Barovia you could probably is make one an big argument grave. that literally everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everything's grave dirt in Barovia. Okay, so that is the revergent mechanic Mark One or version point oh one or version point one or however we label it. Yeah. Um, once we finalize out this document, I am not going to include. Well, no, I'm going to include it in two capacities on the website. So for those of you listening who might want to look at the document, I'm going to include it in two capacities on the website. One will be in the creations page under mechanics. I will have a PDF of just the revergent mechanic. I will also, like with all the other things that I post with the uh, episodes that go along with us as in our talking, I will include it in the greater document called the world of Estorok document where you can see everything. I will, everything's, there's a table of contents. And as I add things, I adjust that. That's also the thing, the the particular document that's got the OGL agreement and everything like that in there, because I'm sort of trying to practice including that in everything that you and I create. Right. So please, please, please listeners, listen to it and let us know how terrible it is or how awesome it is so that we can make changes because it's definitely going to need changes um there's a reason why madness mechanics and and all other similar mechanics and other games are much more simple than this and that's probably because they play better right well i mean i just think we just talked it through simplifying it at least for the tier two because it'll be easy for people to follow because they won't have to juggle as much even the player can go okay so this is a tier two thing so it's going to be something to do with my skills you know what I right. mean? It helps them zero in on the part of their uh, character sheet that they're that's relevant that they're going to need. Yeah, and there and oh man, we're going to have to develop an Estorok character sheet. Oh yeah, where it's going to have a specific section for revergence. 
That'll be fun. Yeah, I know. That's graphic design. I like graphic design. I know you do. You, you like graphic design's design. fun. Yeah. Um, so that I think kind of wraps up our uh, our little mini uh, segment on Revergence, at least yeah. for now, until we revisit it. Right. So I think it's again. time until or, yeah until we meet again. Yeah. Exactly. But I think now it's time for a random encounter. Da, da, da. We need to get a sound da, 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 da. We thing. really do. We need something. Like, Shh, what is it? That Todd like a, always goes. He goes, Sha-na-na-na-na. Maybe we can just have Todd do that for us. We should just have a sound effect of Todd going, Sha-na-na-na-na. Yeah, he'll gladly do that. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for our random encounter today, I have an article. It is a linked up article. And this is relatively recent. Um, as opposed to sometimes we talk about things that are three weeks behind, we are not three weeks behind recording this episode. So this right. is not but outdated people may be to point. three weeks behind. Oh, I can't do the be, calendar math. Yeah, they're going to be listening no. to it at a different time than we are. Oh, well, that's true. Yes, if yeah. you're listening to this three years from now, I don't know right. what to tell you. Right. To those okay, of you so. in the future. <laughs> uh, so this is, of course, having to do with uh, the recent news that came out that Wizards of the Coast president um, has been talking about how Dungeons & Dragons is under-monetized, which that phrase, I'm of two minds when I hear that phrase, but the idea is is that the um, the Hasbro CEO Chris Cook Chris Cox and uh, the Wizard of the Coast president Cynthia Williams um, did a investors meeting, and they talked a lot about um, how Dungeons and Dragons uh, was a big part of their future. And this is his quote, and I'm getting this quote from a, the article on ComicBook.com. D and D has never been more popular, and we re- have uh, we have really great fans and engagement. But the brand is really under-monetized. And the point that they're making is that the vast majority of purchases and spending for Dungeons & Dragons happen from Game Masters, from DMs, which is only about 20% of their base. So they are trying to think about how they can monetize the other 80% of players. And this also tied really closely in with their plans for D&D Beyond, uh, the virtual tabletop, um, the release of products on D&D Beyond and things like that. But let's talk a little bit about monetization. So my first thought when I heard that D&D was under-monetized was, I think, the natural reaction, the kind of like, ugh, right, ugh I sure. don't like that. That makes me feel like, makes me feel dirty. Right. Um, I'm a player, and not I'm, a customer. I'm a, I'm exactly. I have an I'm, identity. We're all, we're all a family. Yeah, my face is up what, here. <laughs> I'm not. What am I? A piece of meat? Exactly. Right. My face is up <laughs> here. Jeez. So yeah, you know, and we <laughs> talked about this at our family holiday gathering this weekend. Yes. And um, you know, because we're you know more intense about it, but our it was funny because at first I think our wives were like, "What does that mean?" And they immediately followed. Well, we 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 basically remember we broke it down. Well, how many D and D books do you guys own? And they're both like one. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like, and that's their whole point. Players just buy the player handbook, um, yep. and maybe the Xanathars and maybe Atasha's, yep, and maybe a little something uh, because they don't need anything more. And there's a there are hours and hours of YouTube videos beating into your head that you don't need more. All you right. need is that you know. Um, but the game is the easiest game to pick up. Yes, yeah. but I have several shelves on a bookshelf, and I and though I haven't DM'd yet, I love the lore, so I have so many books just for the lore. That's right. You're sort of an outlier on this yeah, equation, aren't you? Because yeah. you're not actively DMing yet, Yeah. but you own a lot of books. I just have so many fond memories of sitting and reading the lore. That's why, and we've talked about this, that's why I get so skittish when it's like, well, there should only be 10% lore. I'm like, no, I hate that. You know, because like that's all I, that's why I get all these books. I love to read the little backgrounds and know those little snippets. Yeah, and I know I know that we reference him a lot on this show, and it's just because he happens to be one of my favorite people to listen to mm-hmm. when it comes yeah. to other D and D podcasts. But Mike Shea on the Sly Flourish podcast just today, I was listening to his latest I episode. To just this week. so this was it was the episode from December nineteenth, and he's in there. He's he's doing a spotlight on Keith Baker. So Keith Baker, who created Eberron, um, yes. but of course because he created it, Eberron is now owned by Wizards of the Coast. Yep. So. He when he wants to write more Eberron stuff, and this is his baby. It has to be DMs he created Guild. it. Yeah, he has to publish it on DMs Guild. Mm-hmm. So he publishes and writes books on DMs Guild for Eberron. Yeah, the in that he does a lot of lore, 
And Mike Shea said in his podcast that he goes, you know, the more and more I play, I have books, like the mechanics are nice, but I want the lore. Yeah. Like he makes a point of talking about how he prefers the lore nowadays to the mechanics, which mm. made me feel good. Yeah. I was like, well, no, you know, it, it slows the process down. Okay. So if you don't have the lore to me, and if you don't take the time to add that in, then it's just a board game. And there's a lot of great right. board games. You know, sure. if, board you, games are if fun. you strip it down to the mechanics, then it's not what I think of when I think of D&D anymore. Um, well, D&D is a story, a cooperative storytelling game. Mm-hmm. Yep. So there has to be material to help you tell the story. A story needs a setting. Right. It needs all characters. You you yep. have to have lore. You have to have, you know, which in third edition or in other previous editions I've heard referred to as fluff and crunch. Mm-hmm. And people are like, oh, it's too much fluff, not enough crunch. Right. Uh, no, I think you need the fluff too. Right. Well, I mean, I, you, so... I would even say maybe making it a cooperative storytelling thing is kind of a newer and more player-driven uh, addition to the game. Because, I mean, really at its core, these were board game makers uh, and almost everything, especially if you look into old school gamers nowadays, you know, uh, that are still playing, they're really all about an actual dungeon. You know, like, right. what is your dungeon? What does your map look like? What is your dungeon and what does it do? Exactly. I mean, it's 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 funny because I will watch the videos and they're great videos. And if that's how people like to play, but they are very much dungeon crawls. And it seems like that's kind of all they do. It probably has something to do with the rise in popularity of watching other people play D&D on streaming platforms. Yeah, that's true. If you think about it. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so going back to monetizing it, though. Uh, right. Because we did go off on the... So yes, that's we ex- what we're supposed to do, right? So it's we explained, a creative problem solving, right? So we we definitely had gone over and we explained, you know, the overall idea. So um, I, I think part of this announcement with the, uh, you know, in this call was specifically maybe uh, something that they felt they needed to say after that. And I don't know the details. The one analyst said that um, Hasbro was kind of dropping the ball by uh, flooding the market with Magic the Gathering. Um, mm-hmm. whatever that analyst had said had at least for a temporary window of time made uh, their stock basically untouchable. It was like sell, sell, sell. They don't, they're, they, you know, that, so do you, are you familiar with what I'm talking about? Nope. So basically some analyst came out and said that uh, Hasbro slash Wizards of the Coast um, was diluting the value by printing too many magic cards. And this gets into like, Magic cards are currency kind of nonsense that always... At least in part. But what it also gets into is... um, Sounds... And I definitely hesitate to say... But this is also a person who doesn't understand how that kind of market works. You know, you're treating treating, uh, these cards as though they are any... Well, maybe... Yeah. You're treating them as though they're any other commodity. And um, collecting cards and reselling trading cards and things don't work that way. Um. There's so many, there's there's a big emotional component to it. And it's not as easy to just say, oh, you got too many cards out there. Because uh, nobody's sending them back. Um, Wizards came back with, well, you know, we really uh, produced to order, if I recall. They're basically like, if we have a lot of cards, it's because they're asking for a lot of cards. And yeah, the secondary market gets flooded with extra cards. It, it, it's more complicated than I want. But I think them specifically saying that they wanted to monetize was literally uh, an answer to, you know, we know we're a business. Um, uh, you know, we, we know that we need to maximize profits and, and so on and so forth. I, I think I think the two go together. Right. And well, that was my second. My So my first, my first, of course, emotional reaction was the I'm not a piece of meat, as you sure. so eloquently <laughs> put it. Um, my my thought you know my when i took a breath and a thought and stepped back a second i was like well well, they're they're a business yeah they're absolutely they want to make money if there's an opportunity for them to make more money from 80 percent of their sure customer base it's an untapped market from their perspective it, it would be stupid not to yeah i just hope that whatever plans they have for that monetization of that 80 percent doesn't hurt the ability of the game to be what it is, you know, it's interaction with third-party publishers. It's, I don't want it to become, I don't want Dungeons and Dragons to become one of those games where you have to do it on D&D Beyond in the future because it's well, the only so way to monetize it. The gen, well, right. Well, I mean, I know- Or that, they're going to get away with the DM sharing or something like that. Right. So some of the terms that I saw thrown around, uh, one of them, of course, was microtransactions. No. You know, and- Worse is is this going to open up some kind of way for a play to win in D anD D? If I, as the player, spend X amount of dollars on some 
I got this plus three sword in my loot box that I paid for. That's, you know, and I do believe one of these guys is, is one of these two uh, individuals we're talking about are um, Microsoft guy, right? Yeah. The, one of them. I'm not sure which one. They're both gaming, computer, Amazon, exactly. Microsoft so, people. So they're going to come at it. You know, you, you do what you know. You know, just give somebody a hammer, everything's a nail. So they're going to try to... I don't know how you could possibly play to win. Um, I don't either. However, what really sets off alarm bells for people is because, and, and we've talked about this before, the general alarm they have about uh, Hasbro's... Uh, that you know some players have about Hasbro's virtual tabletop. Mm -hmm. You know, because... These people, because it looks so good, I just keep coming over again and again. People think it looks like a video game. They're turning it into a video game, <laughs> and I think it's. It, I think it's. I think it's just kind of causing a, a kind of a perfect, so, perfect storm for people in their anxieties about the the direction of the game. Um, you know, will the virtual tabletop play a big part in this uh, monetization of players? Of course, it will. Um, you can get collectible dice. You're gonna you're gonna get really cool dice. You're going to be able to that now you know you know, can click know, the exactly. bonus on and you can roll them. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, that you can snaz up your you can snaz up your armor. You know you can pay X amount for you know you may have just had your character have half plate, but you know for a buck ninety nine your character on the virtual tabletop will have this awesome dragon you know, uh, half plate. Oh, see now there that used to be a joke. Now I am not. I have not played a lot of World of Warcraft, but mm -hmm. during COVID, my wife and I played a solid solid year of playing World of Warcraft. Yeah. She played a lot more than I did. She right. has been playing for a lot longer than I have. I played for a year. But there was that was the whole thing. It's like, oh, this is new armor. It looks stupid. But then I realized you can you can trans it's called transmogging. Yep. You can go to a vendor and have them change the look of your armor into any yep. other armor you've owned, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And so you can maintain a look if you like it. But I could see that being a way to monetize the players. But yeah, I agree with you. I hope it's not an intrusive it's not that's, intrusive. That's that's really the that's a good articulate way of putting it. I don't want it to become intrusive to the game. Right. Yeah. I don't want to notice the monetization. Sure. Sure. I mean I if there's a yeah, if there's a way for it to happen without me noticing it's happening. Right. Yeah, and it's like when you watch a a movie, I would rather sounds so, yeah, yeah sounds but, awful. Yeah, but I know. Well, you'd watch a show, you would rather have the uh, you know, say you're you're watching your latest TV show, I would much rather have the characters drinking a coke than you stop and interfere and give me a commercial for a coke. Oh, and that became a thing too for a while. I still remember Remember, Heroes, it's my new Nissan Versa. Yeah, my new Nissan Versa. Nissan Versa. Yeah, they got very excited. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And so, they did it, and all the USA shows did that a lot, too. Like, well, yep. I've got this the new adaptive cruise control. It's great. I, I can follow my spy target without even trying. So it's which do you prefer? You know, do you want a full stop or, you know... See, because that's another thing a virtual tabletop could do. You could be playing along, chugging along, and then maybe it randomly inserts a commercial that takes over the virtual tabletop. Oh yeah. So you know, it, it could it could go numerous ways. That's not I prefer knowing all your my product placement to be like Subway and Community. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> Subway. And then later you would uh, Hondas, except you got to choose a name when you sold Honda. <laughs> um, so monetization could be bad, could be good. Wait and see. Yeah, it all depends on how they decide to go about it. But yeah, it would definitely be a wait to see. Uh, I feel like a lot of our random encounters end up being could be good, could be bad. Wait and right. see. Yeah. Well, you know, you don't get enough to work with very often with this kind of news because mm -hmm. um, they say one thing. But again, we don't know what the virtual tabletop looks like. Yeah. Everyone is For one of these random encounters, game. we should circle back around to the AI art now with the new AI writing. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. We'll do that. We can do that next time. <laughs> we can practice and continue to give it more ammunition. What did I say in our, chat, in, our, in our chat today? I'm like, keep using it or bow down. <laughs> I was like, stop using it or just bow down or whatever. <laughs> All right, so All right, we'll so. call that random encounter handled. So yeah. you've just listened to Josh and Talon's take on Hasbro and monetization of D&D &D moving forward. Yeah. This will all be really interesting to see how it all pans out in 2024 yeah. with one D&D, the OGL, monetization, D&D oh, &D Beyond. Oh, we could stick a pin in the random encounter for, because I still haven't verified it yet, but the idea that third-party providers may have been contacted by Wizards of Coast to discuss the OGL. Right, because that's a rumor. We can't yeah, really do a random a encounter rumor. until we yeah. have some more confirmation. And if they actually did have to sign uh, yeah, NDAs, NDAs, then we won't get anything more than rumors. Yeah, I know. That's the crazy.
Yeah, well, again, okay, I take solace on. in the fact once again they screw up the OGL. You just keep playing fifth edition. Well, I I, I read a, a I saw a quick little video. I don't remember who did it, but he basically said that um, you know D and D doesn't need Wizards of the Coast anymore. Right. <laughs> you know, not really, not at the end, and that's probably part of why they talk about monetizing it and figuring out ways. Uh, sure. To grow because it. you could own the player's handbook, the dungeon master's guide, and the monster manual, and then play entirely Cobalt Press. Yeah. From there, you literally could pay nothing can, but Cobalt Press. You could press. just have those books, those those three books, and just stop. I mean, strictly yeah. speaking, that's all you need. Which has always no. been a selling point. Mm-hmm. So I wonder how much the new CEOs are like, your selling point is you don't have to spend money on us. Yeah. That's not a good selling point from a business standpoint. Sure. Yeah. So, well, it's very simple. They'll do what Pathfinder did, and they'll make all of the one D&D stuff subscription service. Right. Pathfinder subscription? Oh, well, yeah. It Pathfinder is. started right. as a subscription service, I think. I'm pretty... Oh, no, yeah. The well, they are now, because I know um, I know Rod Wolf does it. I think, I think he is... Oh, yeah. I think he describes it, because he always gets the new book and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. All right. All right. Random encounter managed. Done. Yep. All right. Hey. Hey. We don't have a, we don't have a plethora of time, but we've got some time to come up with some monster ideas. How long have we been at? Oh, we've been at this. I would say considering the interjections from daisy the podcast dog and technical difficulties i would say that for our listeners at home they've probably been with us for about 40 minutes okay perfect okay so we were just going to kind of do a semi elevator pitchish monster we're going to elevator pitch some ideas and see which ones we want to do okay you want to go first i mean i can i don't care okay Okay, i'll save mine for after yours so these are monster elevator pitches right Right, exactly. Okay. So, what uh, what kind of monster we want? We should poll our listeners. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't we just ask our wives? And yes, there we go. We'll okay, just so ask like our wives I said, we're going to poll our listeners. Want us to do? <laughs> um, okay, so I have one. Uh, it's right. called Law. It's I'm still working on the actual name for it, um, mm-hmm. but I like um, Lost Toys. A Lost Toy is essentially the name. Um, okay. So the quick little thing I have is. During the sevenfold storm, or during the sevenfold storm, given the vastness of Estorok, many fey creatures were trapped and cut off from the fey realm. Uh, while many acclimated over time, uh, some became kind of eternally mad as they pushed deeper and deeper into the verge. So I'm, I'm thinking literally blue fairy, right? The blue fairy that gave Pinocchio, brought Pinocchio to life by granting a wish. Confession. Yeah. I've never seen Pinocchio. Okay, so either way, a fairy basically grants Pinocchio's, you know, grants Geppetto's life and makes Pinocchio come to life. Okay. And then he has to go through his adventures to become a real boy. Um, But that's kind of where it stops. Um, So basically, some of these fairies were here. Some of them, the ones that pushed deeper into the verge basically kind of went mad. So there are these mad fairies that kind of made their, they kind of got by by making deals and wishes with mortals and, and things like this. There's some. Uh, over time, though, the fairies grew more and more uh, out of touch with reality, right? Because the deeper in the verge they went. Well, likewise, deeper into the verge went various settlers, adventurers, um, trying to push deeper into the verge and, and try to eke out more life within the verge. Um, and consequently, a lot of lives would be lost. But along with those lives would be things, uh, dolls, action figures, any kind of toy, uh, religious totems even, right? Like a, a statue or something. Okay. Um, but when, what I'm now calling mad fairies, because it's kind of fun. So like when a mad works fairy, as a shorthand for it. Yeah, yeah. When uh, mad fairies stumble upon, you know, in their wanderings, if should they come, because these are pretty rare things in my mind. Um, okay. When they stumble upon lost things that are overgrown by the verge, sometimes they fill this, ur- they fulfill this urge to grant a wish. Um, and so they come across the doll, they may just give it life through a wish. Oh, see, this is not going where I thought it was going. Yeah. I was th- somehow thinking the mad fairies were going to end up in the no. dolls. No, I tried they to just... I tried to separate the two, but okay. I, but I was just like, no, the fairies, the the mad fairies have to be a part of it. So basically, they grant the wish and bring this thing to life, but without the wisher, it has no real direction. So it, in and of itself, is inanimated, often, but not limited to a mad, unhinged doll or oh so it creates okay whatever the trauma a traumatized fey creature creates a traumatized anthropomorphic object and then so you kind of end up with like you can be whatever you want it could be a chuck and empowered by the verge or iliaster right and the major the magic that suffuses the world Mm -hmm. their power so i would imagine first of all i like this it's a twofer it's a twofer two monsters for the price of one you have your your mad fairies yeah mad fey whatever you want to call them yeah I imagine them being pretty high level. That was pretty my thinking, powerful. But, and rare. Uh, you know, obviously, super everything rare. is about rarity because of they. So you, 
Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I mean, they lose it because they're so deep in the verge. You know, they, mm. you know, already cut off from Faye. I have a real, I, I, and I can also confess that I have a real, I guess, to the things that got cut off from their other realms, really struggling with it. I, it's later. one of my favorite parts about this. Yeah. Like, the, remember I sent you the thing because uh, my, my wife had said the thing about the elementals. You know, I just mm-hmm. like the idea of elementals being cut off from the elemental plane and kind of just changing them into something else, not being able to go back to their home in their case. It's because there's like an eternalness to the Fae. There's an eternalness to these. So I had an idea yeah. about Fae. Again, that same idea, the cosmically locked. I was trying to think of like, what are the implications of that? And one mm-hmm. of my things was that Fae... So, you, ha- you know, in the Fae realm... In standard Dungeons and Dragons, you have the Seely Court and the Unseely Court. Mm-hmm. Um, very often oversimplified to good fairies and bad fairies, which is actually not the way to do it at all. Yeah, because they're all dangerous. Yeah. Even the even the 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 Seely Court. Yeah. I loved the idea of creating our that all the fake creatures who are trapped in Estrock create their own new court. Yeah, and I like the idea that one of the islands off of the Forland Peninsula. It's like no one goes there because that's where all of the fairies went to try to form a new court. Yeah. And it's worse than anything you could have ever had in the fae realm. It's a place of nightmare and horror. Yep. It's like the fae nightmare realm mm-hmm. um, because cool. it's the only it's the, like the Mad Hatter court. Yeah. Um, but uh, this would be great because they could have they could have these little uh, they come to they come to the mainland and steal people and objects to animate mm-hmm. with their wishes or yeah. and that's just out in a verge. I love this idea. Well, and then because it was born out, remember I had that picture of the whole orphan keep? Oh, yes. That originally spun off of that because and that that's maybe for another time. But yeah, that so it spun out of that. The idea that there's, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I just like the idea of it. So I just like the idea that then as a DM, you can, or GM, whichever we're using, you can create. DM uh, for discussion, GM for published products as per it. the OGL. Okay, so back and forth. So um I just like the idea that the DM could, you know, have you go through like a village, you know, an old abandoned village or settlement and, you know, you're, hey, this, this is as close to shelter as possible. Why don't we go ahead and camp here? Hey, what was that? And everyone's trying Mm -hmm. to figure it out. And all of a sudden it's some kind of overgrown, reverged, you know, big doll or I was even. Well, the giants that lived on the planet before might've had children and dolls too. There you go. See, I love this. It's okay. So. Lost lost items as well. So mad fairies and lost items that have been granted a a horrific existence and sentiency without purpose. Yeah, that's all right. I also had two monster ideas. My first monster idea was when we talked about the idea of verge wardens needing a mount, mm-hmm. and the idea. I'm for right now. I've gone through several different iterations of a name because I'm I I get stuck on that before I can create. I need a name and a visual. That's an, that's an episode zero warning. <laughs> I know, Remember, right? It was like I, the I names guess are going to be the worst. The, the worst. <laughs> so as of, I think I've called it like a Talon Links because I was like, oh, I could work in my own name only with one L. Um, but right now I'm calling it a Horn Cat, not a Horny Cat. Horn Cat. Okay. The minute I said it, I was like Horn Cat. Oh, it's going to become the Horny Cat. Yeah. Um. Oh, but it on. is. It's. It is a. Okay. Go ahead. There may be. Let's go back to the horn because <laughs> my okay. dog Miranda must be home, so the dog started going. I couldn't hear them at all. Okay, but my I thought I saw my mic responding. I'm sorry. Oh, that's right. So my first idea for the monster is the horn cat. Yep. The horn cat is a overgrown jungle cat that can be that is very very dangerous, but with the proper training and skill, can be also domesticated into a mount not domesticated because nothing from the verge is ever domesticated right but it won't kill you outright and it can be used as a mount by verge wardens i imagine the the horn cat as some a wild cat i like to imagine that it's got uh basically like rhinoceros horns growing out of its joints so it's yeah it's got at its elbows and its shoulders it's got natural horn weapons it's it might it's a cat with a with a rhinoceros horn and um you know, maybe some like thick keratin, like dreadlock style hairs for its mane, yeah. and then rhinoceros horns. And then I do imagine that it does have its cat paws with just slightly long enough cat toes to be slightly uncomfortable because that's how it grips <laughs> and cl- climbs and everything. I don't want it right. to have hands. That would be uncanny valley, but right. Um, but even just, just so you know, you climb. see the cat with the extra. Every once in a while, you come across those cats that have like the. The do toe or whatever. Yeah, it's almost called. like the do toe, but like make it prehensile so they can grab, you know, just mm-hmm. that can grab around and give them that extra, extra so grip I, and manipulation. 
I thought, you know, the horn cat was my was my first Which idea. Which I know what you know I love because that's Battle Cat to me. It's Battle Cat from He Man, right? Yep. Um my second idea was a revergent monster. And imagine if you will, you are you are venturing out into the verge, exploring for ancient ruins, what have you, and you hear a chittering from the trees. And as you as you look up, you see a man-sized creature clinging with multiple arms, uh, in between which are connected shreds of uh, of flesh that appear to be like torn multiple times and healed and torn and scarred up. The air around them shimmers with a prismatic um, uh, prismatic aura uh, that seems to warp everything that they hang on to, and their face is that of a of a of a squirrel with. <laughs> Yeah. With fangs and fiery eyes, I want to make a horror squirrel so I can have a squirrel. No, so everyone can get off my case about not liking squirrels. <laughs> okay, I like squirrels perfectly fine in in the real world. I think they're cute, but I want a horror, maybe a horror squirrel. And I like the idea. By the way, I was thinking about Revergent Monsters as having like an aura, a prismatic aura that's like a multicolored distortion aura like as they climb something maybe when they like climb a tree it leaves behind a distortion in the bark and that's how you can see if there's been revergent monsters nearby oh look the bark on this tree is twisted and has been turned into different colors that that's the mark of something revergent coming through. oh that's cool because it literally warps oh look the boat this 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 victim's been killed but his bones have been like molten and reformed in different shapes yeah that would be cool yeah. yeah. So like he's permanently oh, can't these can't have all been, you know, deformed in this way. Mm-hmm. They must have been killed by a revergent monster. Yeah, oh, this cool. this corpse is half melted with the stone behind it because it got pounced on by something revergent and it literally like melted him into the stones. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. So they have like great. that aura around them. So I have a revergent demon squirrel that's mm-hmm. very large. Yep. Which that's just my working my working revergent idea. Revergent demon squirrel. Okay. Revergent demon squirrel. Yeah. Or horny battle cat. Horny back. <laughs> That's the you name. Have, At least that name's been chosen. You have creepy dolls. <laughs> yep. And the mad blue fairy. Yep. Oh, I also had my hive wolves. Oh yes, the I hive wolves, about them. which was inspired by. One of the things I think we should do is we should start. We should do an episode where we just do a. Hey, we're going to do a quick monster design based on a piece of uh, fantasy art we found online. We'll pull yeah. something off of uh, Twitter, or whatever. We'll pull the art. We'll design the monster, and we'll fire it back out, and we'll tag the artist and say, "Hey, we were inspired by your art. Here's a stat block." Yeah, because I saw that one picture. I can save the high vault. I want to flesh it out. Anyway. I had a different idea for it, but okay. So um, that's four different monster ideas. Yep. Which one do you think we should do, or should we surprise our listeners at our next episode with which one we're going to design? I mean, honestly, I think all of them will be fun. Maybe. Um Maybe do we roll a D four on during oh. recording or even now? Do you want to do it right now? Sure. Do you, do you have your little D? I sure you have them with you, right? You can tell Google to roll a D four. Oh, that's right. Yeah, but last time it did it forever. Okay, so which one's which? Okay, so a one will be a mad fairy. Okay. A two will be a possessed toy. A three will be a horny battle cat. <laughs> And a four will be a demon revergent squirrel. Yeah. Okay. We ready? Yeah. All right. For those of you at home, this is not as exciting. I'm clicking roll a d4 in Google and seeing what it says. And I got a three, which means horny battle cat. Nice. I'm so totally down with that. Okay. Cool. We're going to start with our horny battle cat, which yep. will be good because it can dovetail us in with the Verge Warden subclasses yep. and things like that in the future. Yeah. So. All right. Awesome. It'll we'll start it as a monster that can be encountered in the verge and is dangerous, mm-hmm. and then that gives us a mount that we can use later and say like, oh, now it's also a mount for people who are trained enough. Yeah. So we'll start with our horn cat. I, I should stop calling it the horny battle cat. Right. I don't want to mess with our rating. Well, um, you know, because I'm already thinking too, it actually would make sense if these things could move through the trees that it has a dangerous face because it's going to kind of lead and cut its way through vegetation mm-hmm. and exactly cool. it's yeah. it's got a it's got a horn it's got like i don't know i like the idea of like it's not i don't want it to look like necessarily like a cat i maybe like right like i picture like a like popular art of a wendigo where, where it's like that elongated deer like but monstrous face yeah we'll get we yeah, um we'll, we'll have yeah we'll, we'll, we'll look at out. some fantasy art and we'll we'll tag some fantasy art that might inspire us yeah but it's going to be our it's going to be our battle cat and For our sure. primary 
our primary uh, feral cat of the Verge. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, all right, so Horn Cat, that's on the docket for next episode. All right. But I do think that that brings us to the end of our time because I think about this now, we should be running about 55 minutes an hour. Which is our sweet so, spot. It's our sweet spot, absolutely. So, and that, friends, is all of our time for today. Yep. Thank you again for listening and supporting the show. For more information or to peruse the latest drafts of our creation, visit our website at www.fourthpillarofplay. All spelled out. Where you can also like, follow, or message us on Twitter or Instagram. Thank you so much, everyone. We look forward to creating more with you. All right. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye.